welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I am here again with my wonderful wife, Natasha Mason. Hello, hello. And there she is. And we are back for another episode on the study of the book of Acts. Uh, This will be chapter 8 in our ongoing study of the book of Acts, the continuing story of the Acts of the Apostles, Um, kind of giving a brief, a very brief recap because we've already covered seven chapters and we don't want to go back over all of that. Um, we know the Holy Spirit, Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came, the, uh, the apostles were filled with the Holy Ghost the day of Pentecost arrived. We also know that they met uh, a couple of Ananias and Sapphira, and uh, there was interesting things that occurred there. There was the lame man who laid at the gate, and there was the, pe- the preaching of Peter in the temple. Um, we know the gospel was spreading through all of Jerusalem and into the neighboring areas, and that the people were accepting and they were willing to believe in Jesus um, as their Messiah. Uh, We, in the last chapter, ran into a man by the name of Stephen, who uh, was elected with, um, in chapter 6, he was elected with six other men to be the deacons to oversee the church. In chapter 7, Stephen was brought into the temple before the Sanhedrin and before a large group of people, and he was accused, falsely accused, of preaching against the temple and preaching that the law was coming to an end or that the law was ended in Messiah. Um, at the end of that chapter, we saw the horrific uh, story of Stephen being brought outside of the city and being stoned to death, um, which is probably one of the, I think, one of the more violent ways um, of someone dying. So we come into chapter 8, and we're going to pick up where we left off. We're going to continue to do what we have been doing. We'll read a few verses. If I have something to add, we will stop, and we will consider the text and, and kind of what's going on. So, Miss Natasha, my lovely wife, if you will go ahead. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, and Samaria, except the apostles. All right, so um, we had Stephen being taken outside of the uh, the city, and he's being stoned. And here in the scripture, it says that uh, Saul uh, basically he agreed. And when you read the scripture there, it uh, it infers, or in the Greek actual historical Greek indicates that Saul was overjoyed. He was happy to be a part of the death of Stephen because he thought he was doing the work of God. And so here he was um, considering he was killing off a heretic, and he was okay with that. And not not just okay with it, but the scripture indicates that he was very excited and joyful to be a part of the death of Stephen. And because of the death of Stephen, it emboldened Saul and the uh, Sanhedrin to continue to persecute the church and the people in Jerusalem and all about Judea. So we see in the very first verse this um, the joy in killing a servant of God and for that, uh, that persecution to spread. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hauling men and women committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unto... For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But 
So in that, we'll stop there for a second. So uh, now we have Philip who's gone out and he's preaching the gospel. Again, the miracles are being worked because he is uh, proving out the authority of God and that he has the the Holy Ghost dwelling in him. He has the power of God to do wonderful things, which is casting out of demons um, and healing those with palsies and sickness and um, just doing all these wonderful works of the Lord to prove to the people that he's come in the name of Messiah Yeshua. Um, No doubt the persecution had spread. Um, and so the word of God was moving away from Jerusalem. Um, and so, uh, it was important and necessary that the power of God be seen by those who were preaching the gospel. And so here we have Philip who is, uh, who is now giving this story of uh, the story is going to tell us what occurs while he's here and he's preaching. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. Okay, so we have a man who's here in the city. His name's Simon. Um, the, uh, there's a, this, is, this area of Scripture is really interesting, um, and there's really a lot of information here that we can gather from different historical sources on who this man was and what he was doing and what he was claiming. Um, some of the ecclesiastical writings of the early church fathers explained about who he was. Um, and here he's, um, he's uh, bewitched the people with his sorcery, right? So we don't really, uh, people are like, well, what does that mean? Um, and really what it was, he was doing a lot of different um, uh, you would maybe call them tricks or magic or things like that. Um, but he, he pretended to be, uh, interestingly enough, uh, these are a few things that he claimed to be, according to uh, the Romans, some of the Roman writers, and I'll explain that in a little bit. But uh, he preached that he was the father, um, uh, God, who gave the law to Moses. This is what he told the people. Um, later on, he went into Tiberius, and he claimed to be the very son of God. Later, he claimed when he was the Holy Spirit who had fallen on the apostles. Um, he claimed he was the Messiah. He claimed he was the God from Jupiter. So um, he also traveled with a woman. The woman he traveled with, he claimed was Minerva or Helena. So wherever he went, he always changed his story of who he was. And he made himself out to be a great one, which is what it says there. Um, so he, he and, and I'll explain a little bit more about this guy, because when you get into studying, it's really crazy who this man thought he was and what he was doing. Um, but he was basically traveling around telling people he was the Messiah or the God that they were looking for. And then he would perform these miracles or these little, um, uh, what would they consider witchcraft, these things, he would do little things to convince them that he had some great power, even though it might not be a big deal. Um, and this very story, in the, there's a reason this story is in this chapter, and I'll explain it as we continue along. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. All right, so let's stop there for a second. So uh, the story here is Philip has gone in, he's preached the gospel. Now, you had this man, Simon, who was uh, doing uh, witchcraft, little miniature uh, miracles and things, right? So Philip walks in, and Philip has the actual power of God, and he's actually doing these healings and all these different things. And the scripture says that Simon sees this, and he realizes this man has the real power. He has a real power of God. And so what we get here in this story is the story of a conversion that is not real. 
And so what we have here immediately, and this is why this is in the chapter, because it's early for, for the early church to understand that not everyone who says they believe can actually believes. Um, Philip is unable to see the man's heart. He doesn't know if the man is genuine with his confession. And we find out in a few verses down, it's, it's, it becomes obvious and apparent that he never really meant it. He was after one thing, and, and Peter, who shows up on the scene, will call him out on this. Continue on. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they that were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whosoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy, mo thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. All right, so let's stop there. So it's interesting, you gotta, you got to take note of this. So Simon, he had uh, he did these little miracles and these little things. He saw the power of God was on these uh, on these men, and uh, they were healing people, and people were speaking in tongues, and they were proving out the power of God. And this man says he believes that Jesus is Messiah. He's baptized by Philip, right? But then he sees this power, and he asks, he wants it, right? And so the interesting thing here is he doesn't ask to receive the Holy Ghost. He doesn't say, hey, Peter, can you fill me with the Holy Ghost? Can you lay your hands on me and, and fill me with the Holy Ghost so that I might show the glory of God? He doesn't ask that. What he says is, is I want your ability to confer the power to other people. He doesn't say, give me this for myself. He says, I want the ability to confer it to other people. And the reason we know it's crooked is because of the way he wanted to receive it. And he wanted to receive it by making payment for it. He said, if I give you money, can you give me this ability so I can give it to other people? Now, if he's going to give it to other people and he bought it, what's he going to do when he gives it to them? Charge the money He's for going it. to sell it. Yes. He's going, he wanted the ability to receive the Holy Ghost and confer it to other people for a price. And he was going to sell it. This is why Peter said that his, his silver and all these things were going to be buried with him. And it's really interesting because you have this man who had this confession and who went through baptism, but here he is not understanding even what he's asking for. He knew the whole time, his whole motive was to get the, the power to be able to perform actual miracles and have other people pay for it. And, and the, the outstanding story that is just in your face right here is the modern church that we operate in and the modern church that we see that uh, we have to have money in order to do things, or we have to sell you something in order for you to receive the Holy Ghost. You want our um, healing water, or you want our prayer napkin, you need to send us a donation. You know, it's the same story. It's the same lie that you have to do. You have to pay me to receive this. And the idea here is, is he misunderstood completely. He absolutely completely misunderstood what was going on because he thought that what he saw was something that Peter or Philip could give away that it was theirs to control. And I made this point earlier um, when we were talking about Ananias and Sapphira, how they fell down dead. And somebody, you know, I'd read somewhere that somebody said it was just horrible that Peter would kill those two people. And, and I made the point that it was not Peter, but the Holy Ghost, because Peter has no control over what the Holy Spirit of the Holy Ghost actually does. We don't control, we can't contain the power of God. And so Simon here has completely misunderstood the whole thing because he thinks that they have the ability to just give it away. And if you'll give it to me, I'll give you some money for it, right? You give me the Holy Ghost 
and make it to where I can confer it to other people because he was not willing to accept the idea that you have to come to Christ as a servant first. You're not a master. You're not a great man. And this all goes back to the original lie that he had been telling people that he was some kind of a God or that he was some kind of a Messiah. If he had gotten the ability to do this, he would have went into towns everywhere and he would have proclaimed himself to be a Messiah and he would have done all these things, charged people for it and went away. It reminds me of the uh, the snake oil salesman. You know, the guy who showed up with the bottle and always said, all you got to do is buy it and you're going to be healthy and people would fall for it. And so we had the same exact type of a man here in the scripture. And this is a warning to the early church to be careful and pay attention because where you have the greatest of intentions to spread the gospel, not everyone who says that they believe is a believer is actually going to give their heart to the Lord. Um, so we'll go on a little bit more with this and then we'll talk a little bit more about this Simon guy because it's really interesting stuff here. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness, and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon, and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. All right, so let's stop there. So uh, Peter is, is talking to him, and he's telling him all these things. You know, um, he says he's in the gall of bitterness, right? So it, the the root word there is is meaning that he is steeped in bitterness. So from the Greek, it's saying you've got this bitterness that is steeped in your heart, and he's uh, it refers back to uh, Deuteronomy twenty nine eighteen and Hebrews twelve fifteen. Um, but it talks about this. He also says that this is really interesting. He talks about the bonds of iniquity, and I didn't realize this. I was doing some study, and it was talking about how this portion of the scripture relates back to the Romans actually. And so what the Romans would do when they put somebody in bondage, when they were moving a, um, a captive around is that they would chain their right hand to the soldier's left hand. Why would they do that? Because the majority of people are right handed, which is the dominant hand. Yes. The dominant hand It's the powerful hand, right? So they would chain the right hand, the dominant hand, the powerful hand of the person to the left hand of the soldier. So they're unable to use their best hand while the soldier's dominant hand is free. So if they do something, he's able to punish them with his strong hand. And so when they're talking here and he's talking, he says, you're in the bonds of iniquity. He's likening it too, being chained to a Roman soldier, you're held by iniquity and you can't get free. Your strong hand is chained up and iniquity has charge over you. And the interesting thing here is that Peter didn't write him off. He didn't say, you're so far gone that God can't forgive you. You're such a wicked man that God has to overlook your, your wickedness because you just, you've tried to deceive the Lord. What does he tell him? He says, repent of this. You need to repent of what you're doing here. He still says, you can find forgiveness. All you got to do is repent. And so what is, what is the scripture there that he, he repeats to Peter? Um, I think you read the end of it there. Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. All right. So did he repent? Not really. No, he didn't repent at all. He said, can you pray to God and, and I'll please ask God to not have these things fall on me like you say there. I don't want that to happen. In his whole heart, all he had to do was say he was sorry. All he had to do was pray to God himself and repent of his sin and say, Father, forgive me. I am, this is wickedness that I'm talking about. I really need to believe, you know. Instead, he continues on to misunderstand who these men are. He thinks these men have the relationship with God. They're able to do something here. I'm going to have to, can you do that? Can you take care of my sin? Can you ask for forgiveness? Can you ask God not to do that to me? 
when all along he should have been able to do that himself. Um, so it's it's just really crazy. This guy, the way he was thinking, um, and that he doesn't repent of his own sin, just it, it'll blow your mind there because Peter's still giving him an out and saying, you know, um, you can have this forgiveness if you'll ask for it. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of God, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. All right. So here we have the story of Philip going to meet the eunuch. And this is very interesting. There's a lot of different uh, meanings of the words here. So I'm going to explain a little bit. The eunuch is uh, in, in, there's a couple different meanings to eunuch, right? So eunuch can mean someone who's castrated. Um, and also in this context, that's not what it's talking about. The eunuch here is someone who is in a government position. Um, all commentaries, all uh, translations from the Greek to English will indicate that he is like the treasurer. He's over this, he's in the part of the uh, Candace is the lady's name. Well, I'll explain that. Uh, he's part of her, this court. Um, it says he's the servant basically of Candace, right? That's what the scripture says there. Now, when you read that, you think that's a person's name. Well, he, he's, you know, he's watching over Candace, but um, he is from Ethiopia. This is the land of Cush in the Old Testament, which is uh, part of Africa and Egypt in that area. Candace was the same name that they would use um, similar to Pharaoh. So when you said he's Pharaoh, this guy could die, and every generation after that is Pharaoh. So Candace is the queen, um, and every generation after her, they're all called Candace. So basically, he's serving the queen of Cush, of Ethiopia. And so he's come to Jerusalem because he is either a Jewish man uh, which is very similar to Daniel, who was raised up. Daniel was raised up, um, and so was Joseph. Joseph were Hebrews who were brought into foreign lands, and they were brought up into uh, places of servanthood where they were. Uh, the Lord uh, brought them up, and so here you have the eunuch who is uh, either a Jewish man or he is a uh, convert, basically, who's come up to Jerusalem to worship. We know that um, Passover has gone by, um, Pentecost has gone by. So we don't really know exactly when this is occurring, but he could be coming around Sukkot um, because that's when people would return to Jerusalem to celebrate um, the, the, the festival, the Feast of Sukkot. So he's gone up to Jerusalem, and the Lord has, uh, Philip has done his work with Simon, and we'll close out his story in a minute. Um, but Philip has done his work with Simon, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit says, you need to go this way. He's walking with Peter, I think, back to Jerusalem, and he's impressed by the Holy Spirit in such a way that he just turns and he goes. It's not even a question. The Lord didn't even say, this is interesting enough. The Lord didn't tell him why he was going. He didn't say, go this way. There's a man over here for you to talk. He didn't say any of that. He just said, you turn and you go toward Gaza and the Lord will, you know, the Lord took care of him and the Lord provide. And this teaches, this is a huge lesson for us. A lot of times we want God to, um, to give us the answer of why he's doing something or where he wants us to go. When all along, it's just that faith that we need to trust God that he's laying out the, he's laying out the road before me and I'll go and do what he wants me to do. And he has the best intention. And I trust him. I trust the Father whether I can see the outcome or not. And so that's what Philip's doing here. So continue on. Was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou 
what thou readest. So the eunuch is here, and he's in this chariot, and he's got a scroll, I'm supposing. I don't really think they didn't have books then, but he's got this scroll of Isaiah. He's reading the book of Isaiah, and he's obviously reading it out loud, which is fantastic. He's not just sitting here reading it to himself. He's reading it out loud. We know that because Philip hears it, and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? You know, and the eunuch's like, and what does the eunuch say? This is awesome. And he said, how can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he should would come up and sit with him. The place of the of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip, and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself, or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. All right, so really important here. Same thing. Philip is doing the same thing that Peter and John and Stephen did. He is, and this is a eunuch. This is not a. Uh, this is not a man of the temple. This is not a uh, keeper of. Uh, maybe not. A, I wouldn't say a keeper of the law, but he, he obviously understands the scripture. He has it with him. Um, but he is not highly. You know, he's not a Pharisee or a Sadducee, and he's asking uh, Philip. Um, as he reads this, he says, who is, he, who is the writer talking about here? Who is this Isaiah talking about? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And the scripture says that he begins to preach to him the gospel of Jesus by using this very scripture. He's using the Torah. He's using, he's using Isaiah, the prophet there, I'm sorry, to preach to him. And this is what the other disciples and apostles did when you go back and remember, they preached the gospel by talking about David. They preached the gospel by talking about Torah. They preached the gospel by talking about the prophets and Moses and, and the forefathers. Um, because it was very important that these Jewish folks, this is why we, we kind of believe that this man is Jewish, because it was very important that he understood who his forefathers was and who they were talking about. And so uh, continue on. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the, Phil the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So we have at the end of the chapter here, we have the story where they're riding in the chariot and they're going down the road and they come up to a body of water and the eunuch's like, well, you know, now that I've confessed, but it's interesting, Philip is kind of, he's being more specific here too. He says, if you will believe with all of your heart, right? So this is, I don't think we read that, that he was talking to Simon. He didn't say that to Simon, but he says this to the eunuch, if you'll believe in all of your heart. So he's, he's really getting more specific there. Um, but the eunuch is saying, here's water. What's keeping me from being baptized? I believe right now that Jesus is Messiah and I, I want to be baptized. And so the scripture says that they get off the chariot, he stops, and they get off the go in the water, and they're baptized. Um, then at the end of the scripture there, it says that when he raises up out of the water, that the Holy Spirit has taken Philip away. Um, there, are some, there, there are so many different commentaries on this because nobody is able to agree actually what happens here. Um, because the very next verse says he's found in a different city. Um, there are those who believe that he was captured away by the Holy Spirit or an angel picked him up and took him away. Um, there are those who believe that the Lord uh, trans trans. I don't want to say trans 
ported, transported, just basically took him from one place to another, that he disappeared and reappeared. Um, and then there's those who believe that the Holy Spirit impressed upon him so greatly um, that he needed to leave that he just ran off. And by the time the guy came out of the water, he was gone. Um, and so there's not a real good, even in the original Greek, there's not a real good explanation of what really occurred here. This is one of those mysteries of God that we might never understand until we stand with God himself in, in the kingdom. Um, so we have this great story of Philip really coming in contact with two different men. He comes in contact with a man who is a false convert, and he also comes in contact with a man who uh, truly gives his heart to the Lord. So this chapter is fantastic because it gives us this uh, dichotomy of two different men who have two different intents. Um, and one man is given power by a queen, and the other man is trying to give an, he's trying to get power by deceit and lies. And so those two things kind of work against themselves. Really awesome. Really closing out this episode of chapter eight, I want to throw in a couple extra things about Simon because we're, we, you don't really hear more, much more about this guy in the Bible, but in the writings, and I'm going to name some names here, in the writings of Augustus, Theodot, uh, Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Terilitan, and Eusebius, these are all Roman writers who uh, apparently um, Simon's name was Simon Magnus, and he was very well known in Rome. And these uh, non-biblical writers wrote about this man because he had come to Rome. And at one point, uh, one of the one of the claims is, is that he came to Rome when Claudius was emperor, and he went into Claudius, and he went into the Senate, and he claimed that he could fly, and that was how he was going. He was going to. He had this power of flying ability, and according to these writers, um, while he was performing this feat, um, Peter and Paul were present. And Peter and Paul had prayed that God would take away his ability so that they could see he was the liar that he could proclaim to be. And these, the writers say that he immediately fell. And when he fell, he was bruised and his bruises caused him to die. I mean, he fell. And I don't know if he was on something. And this is crazy because I don't know if he was on something and he jumped off trying to prove that he could fly or if he had tried to use some kind of trickery to fly, or if actually he was using a demonic force to actually levitate himself. I don't know. But there's five or six different writers uh, of Rome who claim that this man was there, and he tried to do these miracles, and that, <laughs> that Peter and Paul were there, and they prayed to God, and the man fell out of the air, and it killed him. So it's really incredible because you don't, you know, the story of these people in the Bible, we often look at these stories and people go, well, that's just a story. Somebody made that up. That's not, that's not really true. But you know, the Bible is a historical document. And so there's the, all these other writers who can support what the scripture is saying here. And when I was reading this, I was like, this is pretty cool. Cause you can find out what happened to a guy um, who really tried to be deceitful. And honestly, in the end of his life, according to these men, um, his deceit killed him. And it was that very trickery that Peter had warned him was going to cause the end of his life. And so uh, Simon Magnus, you can look him up. There's a couple other different things out there. They said that some of the Romans had built a statue to him and they called him the great God Jupiter, um, stuff like that. But uh, it's, it's, it's really crazy. History is amazing when you get into it and you see what some of these guys were doing. But this is a really fantastic chapter of Acts. I really enjoyed it. There's, there's a lot of preach here if you're a preacher and you want to get into that. Man, there's a lot there to dig in and to, to share with others. Um, we'll go into check after Acts chapter 9, if I can get out of my mouth. Next week, um, we ask that you continue to uh, pray for the podcast, pray for this uh, this special episode of the Study of Acts. Share it with your friends and family. Uh, like it. You can email us at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. You can reach us on Facebook as well. Uh, we pray that God blesses you all, and we thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.